The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burrows of Berea. Nody no 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 nody no no notes nody no notes from the underground. Well, welcome back to the Burrows of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and behind the glass is Rocket Man Andy Bishop. I don't know. I keep trying things. <laughs> it's great. I'll get it one day. I love it. And I have got some really awesome news, Andy. What? Tiziana Severs is in the studio, and she has agreed to hey, stay yeah. on forever. Yeah. Yeah, she's never actually, she's contractually, she can't leave the show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Until she We've births got a little her child. In the corner. No, yeah. no, no, we're bringing somebody in for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't think we won't get a daycare involved. We can do it right here in the other room. No problem. No, I'm glad you're here, Tiziana. It's yeah. been a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with the John the Baptist, and... um you know, this one today, uh, I'm really, I'm super excited about it. And yeah, I know you're bringing a lot to the table, yes. which I'm excited about. I have like multiple books. Yes, I love do, it. Do you need more table space or you go okay? Is no, this is manageable? good. Okay. I just am trying to keep my finger in spots of books where I want to like reference. bookmarks. If we yeah. had a piece of paper, you could rip or something. Well, how about could... I just fold it like There you school. go. I don't know what I'm thinking. That's right. Yeah. Just fold it so you can't resell that textbook. Yeah. Oh, I would never. I'm one of those nerds that keeps all my textbooks because I reference them when I'm on podcasts. Yes. Because I need them. Yep. I love them. I love, I'm a textbook reader. How could I reference a textbook that I have gotten rid of? I used to read the dictionary when I was a kid. I did too. Did you really? Nobody knows. We're just high fiving across. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. It's like. I mean, if you really want to, you know. That is nerd times 10. If you want to be able to talk, like by the time the SATs came around, you know, I had a great vocabulary. However, I never really used it. You know, I didn't have to use it. I guess that's the point. So by the time the SAT came around, I was ready, but I didn't do so hot. (laughs) Anyway, so today we have a really cool study going on. Today we're covering Samson and Delilah. Yeah. So if you guys, most of you know the story. Mm-hmm. Most of us know the story. So that's why I wanted to ask Andy when he gets back in the studio. I hear him messing with the dogs. Cooper and Ollie. Cooper and Ollie. Yeah, Cooper wanted out and Ollie wanted in, but I expect that to change any minute. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, Andy. Uh, tell me what you know about Samson. Do you know uh, anything about him? That's the guy with the hair, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I know about him. Mm-hmm. What you else? Know, the, the- Not to be confused with Jason Momoa. Uh, he's he also, also has the guy hair. with the hair. Yeah, he's also. Oh, he hair. would be a great Samson. <laughs> yeah, he would. Man, somebody, somebody, please uh, make that film. Right? Seems. Yeah, he would be awesome. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I vaguely remember the tale about how she cut his hair, which I always took for like some weird old thing about not letting a woman like tell you how to act or be. Mm-hmm. Like it's like this weird anti-feminist story to me and it always kind of has been and that's always been my take on it. Is that, like, <laughs> that would be the Bible. That, most yeah, of the that's <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah. Old Testament especially. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, at a, of course, when you're a kid, you hear the story and you don't think about it but when you're an adult, you're just like, what are they trying to say? 
Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of. I think you're going to enjoy this one because the way that we think as adults and what we've heard, you're going to get a whole lot more. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's really, and it's, I think that it's such a simplistic story that people sort of like just gloss over it and just move on. Right. So that's why this is Notes from the Underground episode. We're going to really dig deep and try to show you the background. And Tiziana's got an excellent uh, background when it comes to uh, the land and the culture and all that, which is awesome because I just learned something in the studio this morning that I wanted you to go to get into here in a second. So mm-hmm. the way that I think we should start this, first of all, you have to go into the book of Judges. And so it's important to know what the judges were. Yes. It's not what you think. It's not judicial, correct? No, it's not judicial. As a matter of fact, would you like me to read from the would, textbook that I purchased and brought to this particular podcast? Let's get some, mu- let's get some use out of that. Because I'm the nerd that reads the dictionary. Yes, Tez, let's Tez, hear it. Okay. I you Let me just read this, second. The Office of Judges. Yep. All right. So this is coming from, just so y'all know, an introduction to the Old Testament. It was a book that I had to purchase and go through uh, for my Master's of Divinity program. In pre-monarchical Israel, when there was no king in Israel, the highest authority at the tribal level was a judge. The term judge in the Bible was a different meaning than in our society, where it refers to those who preside in courts of law. While some of the big biblical judges did exercise judicial functions, such as Deborah, she sat under a tree and judged Israel because she was a prophetess. Right. One of the few times, hearkening back to our previous discussion, that prophets are mentioned in, mm-hmm. before the monarchy. Before, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Presumably as interpreters of covenantal law, most of them acted principally as military leaders. Although for the Deuteronomistic historians, they were leaders of Israel in its entirety, it is more likely that they were local or tribal leaders who took on military roles in specific crises, which is something we're going to talk about with Samson. That's right. The title judge is well attested throughout the ancient Semitic world from the second millennium BCE onward. It is used of human rulers at Mari in northern Mesopotamia, in Moab, in Phoenicia, and in the Phoenician country of Carthage in North Africa. So it's not relegated to the Israelite community, which we have to remember, they were not isolated from their neighbors. They intermingled with their neighbors. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of cultural um, overflow and a lot of what we would call in sociology, cultural cross-pollination. Right. And so when we are trying to kind of also piece together the history of Israel, it's helpful to look at what we have archaeologically of other nearby cultures because we can they help us understand each other. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Sure. No. So, but that's awesome because as a judge, Samson is a judge. So he wasn't, it's not court. This is a a deliverer or a military leader, somebody that's going to step up. Mm -hmm. And when you read this book, uh, all of the book of Judges, that's that's what it's about. It's about these specific leaders that rose up at specific times. In specific locations. In specific locations and delivered the Israelites from whatever it might be. Exactly. Yeah. So that's what this, that's, so that's the background. And uh, in this particular case, by this point in the book of Judges, I think, what does it start? Judges 13. So you've already heard a lot of these similar stories that are, uh, what does it always, it always says, something you're going to see as a theme in mm-hmm. this book is, and the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. Like that. That's- it's a sick, it's a cycle. It's a cyclical. It's almost like how they constructed the narrative on purpose. Um, it's like once upon a time. Yeah. It's it's part of exactly. how they kept uh-huh. track, how they signaled, how they, you know, it's like a literary <laughs> That's device. Cr- I, uh-huh. I never thought of it. You're mm-hmm. exactly right. That's exactly right. So that theme, they have this, this consistency where they are the chosen people of God, and this is after Moses, this is after Joshua takes over from Moses, and then from that point on, like in the last previous episode that Tiziana said, God didn't want a king, he wanted judges. That was the point. He wanted to be their king. He wanted yeah. to be their God, and so this is that place. This is pre-kingdom, 
after Joshua and they get the promised land. And what's really unfortunate and what I wish we had more of and we don't is what did it look like during the periods of peace? Mm -hmm. What did that look like exactly you know, because there's these periods of time, like, right, so Joshua dies, and there's peace for a good while because there's a whole generation that remembers what God did bringing them out of his, being out, bring them out of the desert. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but well, Caleb is like? in that first chapter when you, right after Joshua and it mm-hmm. goes into Judges. It's yeah. about Caleb and Caleb's son. Yes. Othniel, I think, uh-huh. is the first. Yeah. Yeah. Who's one of the first there? Yeah. He's Othniel's like the first one of the judge. first judge. Yeah. yeah. Literally the first judge. So that's the carryover right there. Yeah. Caleb and Joshua, if you don't know the story, they were the only two of the original generation of Israelites mm-hmm. and the, that wanted to go take the promised land. And so they were only ones allowed to. And they were the only ones that lived, mm-hmm. that got into the promised land after mm-hmm. the fact. It's pretty crazy. But isn't that interesting? Israel, like all of the stories, all of the big stories we have in Judges start with, mm-hmm. and then Israel started sucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they had kept track of what they were doing when they were doing good. You know, I, like what did that look like? What did their fidelity look like? I didn't because really write that I'm down, I'm going to tell huh? you something right now. The book of Judges contains two of some of the most disturbing disturbing stories in the entirety of the Hebrew Bible in terms of, in my opinion, and they all occur after Samson's reign. It's like Israel had started to really, it's the the death of Jephthah's daughter yeah, and um, the oh, rape boy. of the Levite concubine. Yeah. Now the death of yeah. Jephthah's daughter, we've got to get into Jephthah in the future. Yeah. We have to, yeah. because I've got something to blow your mind. Oh, cool. Because that's so such cool. a small- I People mean, think a, she was burned alive. Oh, well, the Bible doesn't tell us what happened to her. It was that she was given up for a burnt offering. That's what he. That was the promise, the vow that Jephthah made. That's not what this episode's about. However, that's what he promised. The first person I see out of my house, I will offer up oh, as yeah, a burnt right. offering. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But that doesn't mean that's how she died. She bewails for two months her yeah. virginity. Yep. Goes out and says, "I'll never be a mom." That's right. That was her punishment. That was the burnt offering. He. It was his only child. He never had any posterity after that. So that was the end of it. So you don't think that she was actually sacrificed? Absolutely not. You don't think she actually died? She no longer. She was not able to have any children. So she was never allowed to have sex. She never had babies. And well, just because she wasn't getting married and having babies didn't mean Well, it's not like— I'm just going to Look, I don't think Trojans had not been invented yet, so it wasn't going to be easy. People Listen, will people. Rick, prostitution is the oldest profession known to man, and they made them out of sheep skins. Intestines. Really? Yes, they made condoms out of sheepskin intestines. <laughs> so You can still—actually, you can still buy them yeah, made out of sheepskin. You can. You have to, like— yeah. you have to like, do a Google search for it. But yeah, it's totally a thing. I don't I mean, think she would have done it. That would have made her bad. Oh. <laughs> Do you like that? Maybe oh. she was just sheepish to talk about it. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. Tag. <laughs> nice tag. <laughs> I love it. So let's get back to Samson anyway, anyway, and get away from the sheepskin. But I think that what's important to note when we talk about that, like that, when we look at books and in, in their entirety, what we're doing is we're looking at periods of Israelite history. We're looking at massive chunks of time. And the book of Judges spans like, like a three or 400 year period. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and where they had gotten to by the time they got a king as a people um, was pretty brutal. Yeah. I and mean, it was brutal. Mm-hmm. They were, it was brutal. Well, you know, you you bring up a good point because I was thinking about this too when you said, you know, what about the good times? And I, you know, I was thinking about our own 200 year or 200 plus year um, time as a nation mm-hmm. in America. And let's go back to 1776 to the present. And let's think about when were the good times? Like when were the good times? Like we just, you know, we came out of, uh, from you were, you're old enough to have been mm-hmm. in the, was it the Carter administration or was it Reagan? So- from the Reagan administration. Who, me? Yeah. I'm, I was born in 81, so I think that's so that Reagan. So that was when Reagan came yeah. in. So I was alive during Carter's administration. 
And that's like what you guys are feeling right now, yeah. like the inflation and things coming out. That's what it felt like during the Carter administration. Now, I was an infant, so of course I didn't care. But every look at every administration and look at all of the things that the American people have went through throughout history. Please tell me when you thought it was the good times. When was it the good times? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's because there aren't any true good times because humans. Yeah, you you forget you conveniently forget what was what was bad, and you kind of hold up what was good for your people. And to coin an Andyism, life be like that. Life be yeah. like that, right? And so that's that's yeah, pretty much a- the way I see it. So the Bible is to me, it's nothing more than just a reporting of what it was like in ancient times and how similar it is even to our time. There's never really any good times necessarily. There, no. are, there are. It's all in your perspective. Well, individuals or even groups of individuals have profitable times. But that's right. But it's. It's never really universe. It's never like there's never like a Wednesday where everybody's <laughs> stock went up. That's you know right. what I mean? Right. Like, and I don't mean stock stock. I just mean no, there's I, always somebody who was getting the shaft. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of them, as a matter of yeah. fact. That's right. Yeah. They're just I, I think I think what people tend to reflect on as the good times, A, they see them incorrectly, and B, they were generally the good times for like white males. Sure. In, right. in the US. You know, so it's kinda, important yeah. to remember with based on this study when we're getting into Samson and Delilah that the the time frame here is that these are the chosen people of God. This is a religious story. This is mm-hmm. not a political story. It's a religious story. It's yeah. about a people that God chose and what's going on. So when you hear things that are bad, for us, we're like, what's the big deal? But for God and those people, that was a big deal. Like they were worshiping another God. That's a problem. This is yeah. a religious story. So it's don't, a religious story. That's right. We have to keep that in mind. And so, but we are, what we are going to try to do is update it a little bit, or at least make it a little bit modern to discuss it. So you understand where they're, where they're coming from. Well, and because it's a religious story, use the information that we, the archaeological evidence that we have to fill in the political part. Right. You know, to fill in some more of what was going on in the, like, for example, um, you know, Ezra has a certain a way that Ezra communicates King Cyrus's edict. Right. In the book of Ezra. Yes. That it that Israel has been released to go worship their God, the one true God, this, that, and the other. Yes. We actually have a copy of that edict that we found. Like that's, that's actually his like yes, it exists. That, yes. That's, oh wow. It, it, yeah. It's a stela that exists. The stelas were these large stone tablets that lots of cultures would um etch important documents on. Mm-hmm. And we've uncovered several of them. Huh. Wow. There's some stelas, and actually we've actually the oldest stela that we've ever uh, found in Egypt references the Hebrew people. So like wh- one of the things that happens is when something exists only in the Hebrew Bible and we cannot find any archaeological evidence to support it outside the Bible, we start going, okay, so how much of that was real? Right. And how much of that did y'all just kind of embellish for the sake of your own personal history, which mm-hmm. is a common thing many cultures do. But we have found stelas that talk about the Hebrew people. And so we know that they did have some kind of presence in Egypt at some point, right? Right, yep. So we actually have the actual edict that was written that in Cyrus. Persia. Yeah, that yeah. Cyrus wrote, um, de- declaring that lots of people could go home and build temples to their gods. But it's interesting that when Ezra writes about it, he let the Hebrew people go home to worship the one true God. So you've got to keep that stuff in mind. Mm-hmm. You've got to keep that stuff in mind. You do. And so, so it's important that we have all these. Especially these, with this study. You've especially got, with studies. So yeah. extra biblical sources and Studying extra biblical sources does not discount your faith or tell you that the Bible's not true or tell you that God's not real. It just helps you to understand that there are certain perspectives getting perpetuated in the story that aren't the entire story. Yeah, 
I know exactly where you're going with that. Yeah. And uh, not to get too far off topic here, but yeah. uh, that's something I would like our listeners to understand. It's like, no, no one's trying to hurt anybody here. The whole idea is to learn, right? Mm-hmm. That's what we're trying to do. But sometimes, just think about your life. So you're, let's say you're a churchgoer. Sure. Are you just a churchgoer or are you also a postal worker and you're mm-hmm. also a mother and you're also a sister and you're mm-hmm. also a whatever? But so you, somebody at that church writes a book. You know yes. what you are? You're just the person at that church. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. So yeah. it's important to remember that all of these people's lives, including your own, are a whole lot more complicated, more convoluted, but also beautiful and wonderful. And there's right. so many more true. aspects in life that we have to keep. So when yeah. we study and we're looking at it like this, we're trying to give you as true of a picture as we possibly can with the limited amount of brain space that I actually have. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, the limited it's amount of knowledge. Work, but we're doing our best. Yeah. yeah. And it's entertaining. You know, if I, well, I hope it is. It's entertaining to me. And you we're know. talking about excavating cultures that lived millions, literally like millions of years ago. Mm-hmm. Some people were punching them out for saying millions. millions. Yeah, like, <laughs> I just said literally, too. Literally millions like, of millions. Literally millions. What is, well, remember, she's a process theologian. Literally not millions. It's actually, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of yeah. a process theologian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's actually so thousands, but whatever. So it's, it's actually yeah. literally so thousands. People were punching like, her in the mouth right now, like bam, right on the radio. No, that was the worst. You, I, I, and I, <laughs> I, I, I genuinely do try not to use literally when it's not in fact literally, but I just did the thing that I try not to do. So in any case, thousands of years ago. So what we have, it's like, and we find stuff all of the time because we're constantly like digging through the rubble to try and like find bits and pieces of things, and we'll find something more like. Oh my gosh, look at that. Like the stela from Persia that, that mm-hmm. had Cyrus's edict. That wasn't discovered until, I don't know, like in the last 20 years, something like that. So it changes everything right. all of a sudden too. Mm-hmm. So like information is constantly like coming. Remember when they used to tell us that like eggs were the best thing ever for us? Remember that no, song? Yeah. Eggs in the middle of the day, anytime, anywhere. Was that anywhere. Schoolhouse Rock or what? No, it was just some random commercial. Yeah. <laughs> but they told us that eggs were like the best thing ever. And then the they're people like, people advertising no. eggs were like, man, these are good for you. Yeah, eat them all the time. That was it. That was like the whole thing, right? There wasn't yeah. even like a brand of eggs. It was, it was like eggs, good, period. good cholesterol, bad cholesterol. But then there was like eggs bad. have been at all. Right. And then it goes back. Same with orange juice. Orange juice is so good for you. It's so healthy. Oh, but, oh there's so much sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Don't drink it. You're going to die of cancer. Now we're like, oh, it's orange juice. It's pretty good for you. Just drink a little bit. So our information changes as information changes. Yeah. And in every one of those cases that you just said, I promise you that the egg commercials were brought by the chicken farmers mm-hmm. and by those that process. That's I right. bet you that the orange juice was brought on by the orange growers in Florida and mm-hmm. California Yeah, because they're trying to move product. People with sure. an agenda. Of course. Well, it's not even an agenda. It's a good thing. It's business. It's capitalism. It's what you do in America. Mm. But we, a lot of times we're only looking at it in a one-dimensional way. We're mm-hmm. not thinking about all of the things behind mm-hmm. the scenes that are making yep. it happen, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it works. That's what advertisement and marketing is, mm-hmm. you know? I didn't, you know, I bought a, I bought a Suzuki Grand Vitara because I heard that it was the, the, the number one selling car in the rest of the world. And so I thought, I'm going to get one of those. Try and guess what? It was the best car I've ever had. Really? Yes. Oh, that's cool. Why are you driving that rice burner, boy? And I was like, because that rice is burning good, son. Like it's, a, <laughs> it's burning good. The rice burns clean. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Very little carbon in my emissions. Yeah. Very well, let's little. rein this back in. I'm going to read the first verse of Judges chapter 13 to introduce us to Samson. But when we get to this one word, I'm going to let I'm going to let you, Tiziana, take over, okay? Cool, cool, cool. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. So tell me a little about the Philistines. Okay. So 
I wrote, actually loaded up my notes because I did a lot of research. So the Philistines were part of a federation of sea people that began attacking ancient Egypt and other Eastern Mediterranean civilizations now during the latter snorks. part of the 13th what? century. I said, now I'm picturing snorks. Snorks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, this is a period. So this period in the 13th century was a sort of a period of political unrest in lots of places. You have the Mycenaean Empire that collapsed in Asia, Asia Minor. The Hittite Empire comes to an end and its cities are all destroyed, etc. So the Philistines are part of a larger group of a federation, as it were, of sea people, much like the tribes of Israel were a federation of loosely banded together tribes. Mm -hmm. And uh, they terrorized everybody, you know, like they were messing around in Egypt. They were giving all these different people problems. And the Philistines at one point broke off and settled along the Eastern Mediterranean right next to Dan and Benjamin and Judah, mm -hmm. right? So kind of butted up against, they sort of invaded the coastal area, kicked all the Israelites out and took a very small sliver of the Levant, which is the area in between, right? Yep. And sort of sat there. Now, so if you watch Game developing. of Thrones, it's the Greyjoys and the Iron Islands coming in, yes! taking okay, over Winterfell. Yeah, yeah. That's there what it feels go. like. That's exactly what go. it is. That's and the right. thing is, I thought that to myself, but I didn't know if everybody was going to have. I talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, Rick, I don't. Rick likes to like parallel yeah. Game of Thrones when it's, he can. It's yeah. wonderful. But don't watch it. Yeah. So, 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 <laughs> right. so it's really so, and you don't, so, don't read it. Yeah. Don't read if, it. If watching it's a problem, then definitely yeah. don't read definitely it. don't read it. Yeah. yeah. I've not read it, but I've heard. So many people are angry with George R. R. Martin about that. But yeah. anyway, on to what you were yeah. saying. Yeah. So, uh, so the the Philistines, after they're done pillaging, decide to settle, and they settle right there on the southeastern coast of the Mediterranean in the 12th century BCE, and they had five cities: Gaza, Ashkelon, Ashad, Gath, and Ekron. These mm -hmm. all show up in the Bible, but those were their five main cities. They show up in the Judges. Like with yeah. Samson. Yeah. And if you look at a map, which I wish y'all had a map, they're a tiny little cluster of cities that look like they're all approximately within the same like 500 mile radius. Mm -hmm. At the most 500 so, miles. So yeah. close enough to be doing business. Yeah. Close oh, enough sure, to be yeah. consistent with each other. Yeah. Close enough for Samson to walk yeah. from one to the next. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. yeah. I would walk yeah. five sorry. <laughs> yeah. And so archaeological evidence has excavated um, a distinct culture that lived in that area. So that means that we kind of have excavated some things and like, oh, this is definitely... Canaanite pottery, or this is definitely like a Melekite, you know, weaving right here. Mm -hmm. And so there is a very distinct culture that was the Philistines. And um, that distinct culture shows that they were metallurgists and they were superior metallurgists, mm -hmm. which means they made awesome swords and chain mail. That's right. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what made them such a force to be reckoned with is that they had great armor because Technology. they were superior. They were superior technologically, right? So um, they... Um, yeah, they had the uh, the other ar archaeological evidence does show that they had, you know, five cities that were a collaborative alliance and that acted in one accord. Um, but unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but this is an important piece of information too. Most of the archaeological evidence that we have from them comes from the Bible. Mm -hmm. There's a short mention of Philistine slaves um, during that period of time when they were terrorizing Egypt. Uh, short mention of them there. But for the most part, despite a little bit of archaeological evidence, most of what we have of their interaction is uh, and their existence on the planet is with what we see in the Bible. Right. So that means that they were not a a they were not a culture that was large enough. Right. Or significant enough or grand enough on a geological scale. But were brutal enough to be remembered. To be really remembered yeah. outside of their relationship to the Israelites. If um, you're going to be super brutal, size helps. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Well. We're gonna leave that where it lies. So, um, but, but, but yeah. So, so when when the Philistines are oppressing Israel again, if you look at a map of the Levant, the eastern coast of the Mediterranean, 
the southeastern coast is this tiny little chunk. I'm, I'm, I'm describing a map that's like, how big is this map? This map is maybe, let's say it's seven and a half inches long. Yep, by five inches wide. Um, that is the Israelite territory on this map. Yeah. The Philistine territory is about an, is the very, the, and during the time that we're discussing, is about an inch and a half on the very bottom, tiny southeastern corner. Yeah, it's a very, very small section. But what it is, is the area that was supposed to belong to Dan. Mm-hmm. So that was the area that Dan inherited after the Israelites invaded the land of Canaan. Dan settled along the coast there. Dan is right next to Benjamin and right next to Judah. And you have to remember, most of the information that we have written down in the Bible came from scholars and prophets in schools during the monarchy that was writing this stuff down. Where was the temple located? Right in Judah. Yep. Yep. So the people that were writing the story of Israel, which was giant— we're talking about the Philistines from a place of very personal, interpersonal conflict, okay? Right. So it's kind of like if the story of America was written by people who lived in New York versus people that lived in LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. So what they were experiencing of the Philistines felt like a lot of oppression because Philistines were butting up against their specific land. But all throughout the book of Judges and later on, you hear these certain things. Uh, for example, in Judges, you have, um, what is his name? Elhud? Yeah, Ehud. Ehud, with the left hand that stabs the dude in the stomach. That's right. Um, so let's see. The reason he was there was because he was quote unquote paying tribute. He was bringing tribute to the king of what was it? He was either the um, the Amalekites or the Amorites. Yeah, it's one of the two. One of the two. He was a fat king, a fat dude, now and that, he buried the hilt now, into Ahud, his stomach. I want to say this, so I don't know if you guys know this, but left-handed. Yeah, that's where we get our word sinister from. Oh, really? This is okay. This is sinistra is the left, and then the right-handed is where we get our word dexterous from. So dextra. And sinistra. That's what the words left and right hand. Oh, so if you ever hear of ambidextrous, that means they're double right-handed. Oh, that means they can use their they, left they, hand. The left hand, hand as turn as the right. So left oh, wow. was bad, right was good. However, the judge that God raised up was left-handed. Was left-handed. So he was able to sneak into the king's chamber with a knife. But what he was, he, what, what was he doing? He was bringing him tribute. Tribute. Yeah, so, paying fealty. Right. That's right. So in the ancient Near East, there were these contracts called Caesarean treaties. Mm-hmm. And they existed between larger nations and smaller nations. So a larger nation was going to come in and was going to like overthrow and take over and whatever. So now we're in charge. We've captured you, but we don't actually want to be in charge of you, but we want you to pay us tribute. That's right. So that's what was going on, right? And so the bigger nations could do that. There's no record of the Philistines doing that. No. So the, so the Philistines weren't significant enough of a culture in order to do that. Right. They didn't have that capability. So then that that teaches me that the oppression that we're talking mm-hmm. about, remember, mm-hmm. it's a religious story. Yes. They're oppressing their faith. They're oppressing their relationship with yeah. God. That's what it's about. So it's yeah. not like they just made them slaves. Now, it is important to note that when they come into the land like this, this is also... Now, this isn't the first time we've heard of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. They're mentioned in Genesis. I think the name of the man was Philistim. He's It's in the genealogy. Mm-hmm. It's Philistim. And then you hear about him again in Exodus. But then in the Judges, this is when they really invade and they get a spot. Like they've got this carved out spot that they have inside mm-hmm. of Israel. Yeah. You know, And remember the giant uh, Goliath? Yeah. He yeah. was a Philistine, Philistine. who oh. lived in Gath. Yeah. It's one of the five cities that we're describing here. So this is when he, you know, his family and all of these people, the giants, the Nephilim that we talked about, these giants that come so, in, 
they're part of this Philistine group. So I've seen I've seen beds from uh, Civil War, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that makes me wonder if a giant in uh, three thousand years ago could have been like five foot four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point. You know, I have a yeah. little map here that has a little thing. I'm gonna just like Philistia during this period of time. Yeah, is 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 literally. 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 A 20-mile stretch. 20 wow. miles. Wow. Yeah, that's not big and at all. It's not even as big yeah, as Asheville. Yeah. Now, right. now it begins now. And significantly less people probably. That's what they controlled for sure, okay? Within that 20-mile stretch, you have Gaza, Ekron, Ashdod, and Ashkelon. Mm-hmm. All within a 20-mile stretch, those cities. Yeah. And they're almost all directly wow. on the coast or within um, five miles from the coast. Sure. Yep. Easy for Okay. Gath is right on the edge. And then Timna exists which is the point of the story, right? That's right. Timna exists r- closer closer inland, you know. Timna is about 15 miles inland and about Where is Zora 15 at? miles. Can you see Zora? Zora on there? No, but I just, I know no, I that know, it's, this, yeah. yeah. I know it's sort of like located like near Judah. Yeah, like that's Like on where, the border of Dan and Judah. Right, which is where Samson's father's from. Yeah, yeah. So, so, but if you look at this map, I can see where Judah is in relationship to Timna. It's about 40 miles mm, okay. from Timna. Yeah. Judah was. And I'll so Zora's on the that. border of Dan. Yeah, if, if it's on the border. And, and and what I'm using for the map down here is a bottom thing that has like, this is how much 20 miles is. And I've just measured it with my pinky and my index finger. And I'm kind of like, just doing like a, that's where my mileage is coming from. Yeah. If Very Andy, scientific. Andy, if you will. two pinkies. If Andy it's will take pinkies. a picture, yeah. yeah, we'll put it on the website. Yeah, yeah you and then can they take can a look go at it because it's really helpful. Um, it's really helpful. Now, the 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 area that we're talking there's there's um there's two areas. There's the shaded area that is what the Philistine settlement was, circa 1180 to 1150, so about a 30 year period, and then from 1150 to 1050, which is a hundred year period. Right, this is BC. It expands. Right, this it expands a little bit. So the period of time that we're talking about, Samson's life, God raised up the Philistines. To me, that's when they decided started taking over, mm-hmm. and they were there for about forty years. Right. So, and that's when Samson rises up and becomes a judge. That's right. So, if I'm looking at this piece of map, that the little tiny blue section the, that's only 20 miles wide, that was from 1180 to 1150, mm-hmm. which is about 30 years. And then what happened? They started to expand. So, 10 years of that period of time, that 40 years, about 10 years is, is when they're starting to expand into Judah because it took them 100 years to catch to capture all that land. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, that last 10 years was probably what was really affecting Dan mm-hmm. and what was really affecting Samson's parents because that's, that's right. where the tribal conflict was beginning that's to happen. Right. So, and then after that, they expanded even further, which is why the Bible tells us that Samson was risen up to begin pushing back against the Philistines. But it, And you bring up a good point mm-hmm. because even though they weren't that big and it was a very small area, mm-hmm. uh, the people of Judah refused to fight them. Mm. They would not fight Superior and metallurgists. Their, and their yes, brains, think about it, fear, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> a fear of something will keep you from fighting back, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Samson, yeah. when he comes on the scene, he mm-hmm. is a judge, he's a deliverer. And what you're going to find out about this guy is he's literally the only man that will fight, and he does. Yeah. Huh. He's awesome. Wow. Okay. See, already we're getting into stuff, new new things for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah. So, so, so historically, if we're talking about when for the Philistines originally settled and then when they started to expand, okay, because the very, very coast, the very coast where they first settled, that's probably like 50 miles from Benjamin, mm-hmm. from the tribe of Benjamin, the tribe of Dan and, the, and and Judah. So it took them a minute to start really affecting Zora, which is where his family lived. Right. 
Okay. So it was just a great segue right into it. So yeah. let's get into Judges 13, verse 2. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. See, I always heard that Samson's dad's name was Samsonite and that he was a really hard case. Uh, <laughs> Rick just getting a man. <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. You ever heard that before? Uh, yeah, like all of the time. <laughs> When you read the Bible, that's a common theme in Scripture. Whenever God does something amazing with this person, a lot of times their mother. We're like, you'll hear about it later in Samuel with uh, Hannah. Oh, we heard about it with Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah, that's yeah. right. We hear about it with Elizabeth and Zechariah. And, yeah, and with uh, for John the Baptist. Remember, mm-hmm. she was barren, and then mm-hmm. John the Baptist comes on the scene. So Once yeah, upon a time there was a barren woman. It's like a you know, it's yeah, a yeah, literary it's a theme. theme. Yeah. That's right. Yep. Yeah. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. Hmm. Then the woman came and told her husband, which was Manoah, A man of God came to me, and his appearance was like the appearance of the angel of God. Very awesome. I did not ask him where he was from, and he did not tell me his name. But he said to me, Behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. So then drink no wine, nor strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. So she's basically repeating exactly what the angel of the Lord said. She did great. Then let's hear how Samson's dad responds. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. Can I pause you right there? You sure can. What he prayed was, come tell me, because you told her, but you didn't tell me, and I want to yes. know, how come you didn't tell me? I want to know, how come you didn't tell me? me, 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 me You're going to find out that even though his name wasn't that, Manoah's a pretty hard case. Manoah. <laughs> he's, he's thick-headed, and, you know. And, 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 and like a chicken with his head cut off. Feminist read real quick. Sure. Yeah. When a woman did not have a son in ancient times, period, that could have, that's a devastating. Oh, I, I had that thought when like, you shall bear a son. I was like, oh, so, so nice of them, a son. Yeah. Not, not a daughter. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. because a son is strong and can till a field and can protect. Sure. Men married women when the men were old and the women were young. Mm-hmm. Men died first. And women in their elderly years were incredibly vulnerable to famine and poverty and destruction unless they had a son. Mm -hmm. Because daughters went off to their husbands' houses. And so this theme of God appearing to barren women and giving them a son is the theme of God's ultimate desire to love, protect, and rescue. Mm -hmm. And he chooses the unique social position of women to who don't have sons to describe his incredible love and compassion. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, to look down on a woman who doesn't have a son, God saying, I see your future is bleak and I love you and I want to care for you. It is a uniquely feminine experience. So when she sees the angel of the Lord, that's a, a terrifying thing. She's right. in, she's in Many terror. Heads, maybe knives, who knows? Right, whatever it might be. However, the news that he's bringing her is something that she is going to be absolutely elated about. Yeah, sure. Like this is a great 
This is yeah. great news for her and for her husband, but especially for her, right? And, and God does it when he's raising up a deliverer. Right. When God is raising up somebody that, and, and so the female, the woman is an example of God's rescuing grace. Mm-hmm. And so God's care and concern over, and that's one of the reasons why you see so many prescriptions and rules regarding widows and orphans. Mm-hmm. God's loving care extends to the most marginalized in their societies. Hmm. And yep. he uses the rescue of those marginalized people as an allegory for his ultimate loving care and concern for all of his creation. Yeah, it's great. So we have to remember that in You're our right. current culture. It's wild that I've never really thought about. Like you hear about the plight of a widow in the context of historical stories and stuff, but mm-hmm. I never really thought about it. You know what I mean? You're just like, or a, or a motherless child, or well, more the. I mean that that you take a little bit more. Or I have, but the the plight the plight of a widow right. four thousand years ago. Like you think it's hard, but you you know in in my head it's like I don't have the context, so it's just like it's hard. Like it's hard now, but no, it's not. It's different hard, and that's funny. That's just never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it still is hard. I mean, when you look at the um, the the feminization of poverty. Women in their retirement years um, are far more likely to slip into poverty than men because women, as a general rule, like myself, are the ones that have giant gaps in their resume and therefore in their contribution mm-hmm. to their social security because women are by far and large the ones that take time out to raise kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so And so when that time comes, you know, if the husband divorces the wife and so she no longer has access to his social security when he dies or whatever, um, women by far and large are more affected by that level of poverty even now in a quote-unquote Modern society. Modern First Nation society. So take that 4,000, 5,000 years ago. Yeah. I mean, this is in the 11th century. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, so you got to stop and, and think about, and, and for me, the theme and the ways that I, as a woman, read the Bible, the way that I see God consistently demonstrating his desire to rescue all people through his desire to protect and rescue women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you really notice that when Christ hits the scene. Like, that's when you really see it. It comes to fruition because Christ is the one that he really breaks that. He was so radical. He was Mm -hmm. so radical. All right, well, so let's get back to this. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, right? And so he had prayed and said, hey, look, man, my wife's word's not enough. Can you have this dude come talk to me? You know? And what does he do? He appears to her again. (laughs) He does. That's what I'm getting ready to read. That's exactly right. And so, you know, he's asked, you know, God, please do this. And uh, it says that uh, then Manoah prayed. Let's let's start there again. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, please let the man of God whom you sent come again to us and teach us what we are to do with the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah and the angel of God came again to the woman as she sat in the field. So <laughs> God great. heard the voice of Manoah, but yeah, there you go. But Manoah, her husband was not with her. So the woman ran quickly and told her husband, Behold, the man who came to me the other day has appeared to me. And Manoah rose and went after his wife and came to the We're man. We're buds now. Yeah. <laughs> and came and said to him, Are you the man who spoke to this woman? And he said, I am. Now, I am. Yeah. I am. Did you catch it? I did. I am. That is the name of God. That's the name that Moses tells him. He says, I'm going to go... Save your people from the Pharaoh. Who should I tell him? What's your name? What's your name, God? And he's like, tell him that I am, that I am has sent you. So, so it's very interesting that the angel of the Lord uses those words, and there's a reason why. And Manoah said, now when your words come true, what is to be the child's manner of life, and what is his mission? 
And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, of all that I said to the woman, let her be careful. She may not eat of anything that comes from the vine, neither let her drink wine or strong drink or eat any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. So he keeps bringing up this Nazarite vow. This is an important thing that's going on. I see your face. What you got? It's also significant that he consistently says, she has to do what I said. Yeah. Because in my observations, the Nazarite vow is with Samson's mother. That's exactly right. She is the one, she, she starts the, the vow. Who is capable of obeying and following. Now, do you want to go into what is a Nazarite vow? I, I was going to read all of Numbers chapter six so that they would know. Yep. Let's would you do like it. to read it? Sure. Yeah, you look it up. You read so much better than I do. So I'm going to continue on because— Yeah, go ahead. uh, Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, please let us detain you and prepare a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord said to Manoah, if you detain me, I will not eat of your food, but if you prepare a burnt offering, then offer it to the Lord. For, For Manoah did not know that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to the angel of the Lord, what is your name? So that when your words come true, we may honor you. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful. That's another key. I am and wonderful. See, wonderful, I don't know. I am, of course, I've heard. Yeah, so you'll hear about it later on whenever there's going to be the promised Messiah. And he says, Isaiah says, and his name will be Wonderful Counselor. So that word wonderful matters, right? So Manoah took the young goat and the grain offering and offered it on the rock to the Lord, to the one who works wonders. And Manoah and his wife were watching. And when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame of the altar. Now Manoah and his wife were watching and they fell on their faces to the ground. So this dude's like, I'm not going to eat. And when the fire comes up, he jumps in the fire and flies up in the sky and it's gone. (laughs) So they're freaking out a little bit. So this Nazarite vow that that he that he kept talking about is very very critical to Samson. This in order to understand Samson, you have to understand this vow. And you're right, Manoah's wife is the one that got the vow. Mm-hmm. So go, let's tell him what a Nazarite is. Were you going to finish your thought about who the angel was? Oh, I will. Oh, not right now. Okay. Because we're not done. Because remember, he thinks Manoah will later on. He's like, I'm terrified. Like, we're going to get killed. But yeah. of course, his wife, who has the right brain, yeah, she's got the right mind. She, you know, she's not. Thick-headed, yeah. like old Samsonite. She says, no, no, no. So yeah. I'm going to get into that. So just All let's right. tell them what a Nazarite so, is. The Nazarite vow comes from the book of Numbers. Right. Whenever the Israelites are ejected from Egypt and they're going to go into the promised land, God is trying to help them understand what kind of culture they should have moving forward. And so you've got a couple of books, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, a little bit, mostly Deuteronomy's history. But these books are uh, w- recorded examples of this is how you're supposed to live to be holy to, to God. So this is from Numbers chapter six. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when either men or women make a special vow, the vow of a Nazarite, which comes from the Hebrew word for consecrated or set apart, to separate themselves to the Lord, they shall separate themselves from wine and strong drink. They shall drink no wine vinegar or other vinegar and shall not drink any grape juice or eat grapes, fresh or dried. All their days as Nazarites, they shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine, not even the seeds or the skins. All the days of their Nazarite vow, no razor shall come upon their head until the time is completed for which they separate themselves to the Lord. They shall be holy. They shall let the locks of the head grow long. 
All the days that they separate themselves to the Lord, they shall not go near a corpse. Even if their father or mother, brother or sister should die, they may not defile themselves because their consecration to God is upon the head. All their days as Nazarites, they are holy to the Lord. If someone dies very suddenly nearby, defiling the consecrated head, so they couldn't didn't have time to get away, right. so couldn't help it. Then they shall shave the head on the day of their cleansing. On the seventh day, they shall shave it. On the eighth day, they shall bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting. And the priest shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to make atonement for them because they are incurred guilt by reason of the corpse. They shall sanctify the head that same day and separate themselves to the Lord for their days as Nazarites and bring a male lamb a year old as a guilt offering. The former time shall be void because the consecrated head was defiled. This is the law for the Nazarites. When the time of their consecration has has been completed, do you want me to keep going what they do when they're done? No. Yeah. No, it's fine. I mean, we're good enough. We we get the yeah. idea here. Like yeah. there's there's a lot of rules and regulations yeah. to this, but it's an important vow. And the hair was a big part of it. Yes. Because the holiness was come from the head, which is interesting because if you understand anything about chakras, the crown chakra on the very top of your head uh, signifies the uh, in Hindu culture, understanding chakras are certain energy points that have spiritual connotations. Mm-hmm. The crown chakra is your connection to God and to the divine. Oh, interesting. Never so, heard that. Yeah. So so this crown chakra is holy and it's like a it's like a portal to the spirit that lives in our body that God made us that way. Mm-hmm. So the head is holy. So if they do something and defile themselves, they need to shave their head and start their vow over. Right. That's exactly right. And Hmm. these vows were generally meant to be for a period of time, and they could be taken on by a man or a woman. Which again, to me, as a woman, as a mom right now who's pregnant with my baby, it signifies the unique and special and powerful relationship that God has put inside of a childbearing body. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. To create a protective covering and to start the process of this vow. The vow was with her. That's right. And Samson, as the being growing in her body, became the beneficiary of her faithfulness to God. Right. If you think about it, if Jesus, think about Jesus for a minute. Jesus was able to come into the world, right? And he lived a whole life. He was tempted yet without sin. Mm-hmm. So, but he came through the body of a woman. Mm-hmm. Right, so we know that it was the seed of the Holy Spirit and all that, but he was able to come through the body of a woman. What does that tell you about the woman? How is sin coming into the world? Correct. It's through the man, it's through the male line. Did I just did I just cross some lines with y'all? <laughs> no, you just said something. I think, Let's but nobody it. says it. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like you know, everyone always gives Eve a hard time, right? But she turned to Adam, who was with her. Mm-hmm. Adam was standing there the whole time, and he didn't protect her. Yeah, he didn't stand up for her. He didn't kill that snake. He said, "Oh." I'm going to let her go in front of me and I'm going to watch, see what bad thing happens to her. You know, and I've had that very same thought. Mm -hmm. And I I was thinking, one thing I want to tell everybody, when you think that the world is 6,000, 7,000, 8,000 years old, whatever you want to do, that's fine. Think whatever you want because you take the time of Adam being 900 and something years. However, Adam was eating of the tree of life, which means that he was eternal and the garden was eternal and God was eternal and he walked with Adam. You do not know how long from the time that he was made until the time they ate of the fruit was. You have no idea. It's an interesting take yeah because it's eternal could have, he could be I mean, 11 on, billion yeah. years old if, if he wants to be that's your belief system then 
yeah, that could have been 11 billion That's years. the whole point. He was eternal in an eternal garden. We read it and we think, because we read it in five so seconds, that is, it was really fast. So what you're saying is boredom is kind of what got Eve to eat the apple. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, over time, it was actually deception that got her. Oh, well, I know. I'm just- I know, but you're right. Like the time years. <laughs> After Jeez. 11 billion years, you know- Be like, f*** it, I'm going to try this apple. <laughs> yeah! Technically speaking. Might as well. Yeah. That's funny. And who knows how many times they talked about it before that moment happened. Oh, I think that's sure. the first time no, of that he stumbled yeah. upon the, the one, tree. It's the one thing they're not allowed to touch. There's no way they didn't talk about that. Yeah. No. No way they didn't talk about that. Yeah, she'd get annoyed with Adam and she'd be like, I tell you what, you do that again. I'll go eat that goddamn <laughs> apple. You watch me. <laughs> Have you ever been there with like you older siblings funny? or younger? He just said goddamn apple. He did. And that's true. Yes, <laughs> it's the tree of the knowledge that's of good exactly and evil. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. <laughs> good job. That's exactly what it was. So, but like, have you ever been there like with a bunch of siblings? Like, I, okay, so I grew up in a household of nine kids. No way. Wow. And I was, yeah, I'm young and I'm also like me. And so I was always like attempting to prove myself or whatever in the room. And so, you know, you see something nasty on the ground. You're like, who's going to touch it? You touch it. No, you touch it. You touch it. <laughs> I was always the one trying to prove myself that would do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, poke so-and-so. Like, I remember this is awful, but when my granddad died mm. and my mom was a hairdresser. And so she, she prepared his body in a very loving way. It was the first time I ever saw a dead body. Everyone's like, you're going to touch it. You touch it. No, you touch it. Right. I did. <laughs> you broke your Nazarite vow. I did. But, right? <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, is, it's like Adam was sitting there going, touch it. Do you touch it? You know yeah. what I mean? He was sitting right there. And I then think he, Adam was directly disobeying. Uh, thank you. And, and when God comes into the garden, who's yeah. he looking for? Right. Adam. That's right. God knew what they did, but who'd he go after? Mm -hmm. Adam. And then Adam's like, oh, you gave it to the woman. It's her fault. <laughs> She's so feminist. <laughs> I am I love such it. a feminist. But just, just hear me out on this. Hear me out on this. So, and we do need to get back to Samson, but this is good. This is good. Eve was deceived. We know the Bible says that she was deceived because of what Satan told her would be. You will not surely die. And the only reason he doesn't want you to eat is because he knows you'll be like him. Well, it just so happens that God says, uh, now they, they're they like us, mm -hmm. knowing both good and evil. So what Satan says wasn't a lie. Mm. It was a lie as far as surely die because the spiritual death was enough to separate mm -hmm. them from God. We understand that. Their bodies lived on. However, they did, their eyes were open. And it's, like I said, we don't know how long this took. Right. Just because she ate of the fruit doesn't mean that Adam ate right away. In fact, I don't think he did right away. Mm. I think that her eyes were open, but his weren't. Mm -hmm. And there is a time whenever their relationship, remember, what the only thing that God made that was bad, that was not good, was that Adam was alone. Mm. So now they're separated because oh, of yeah. her eyes being opened. And now he is what he is mm -hmm. and she is what she is. Mm -hmm. And he knows I can't be like her unless. Mm. So I'm going to directly disobey God because mm -hmm. of my loneliness and my mm -hmm. fear and my anxieties and all the things that I've mm. got going on because of this change in our relationship. Yeah. He directly disobeys in order to get to her. Interesting. Very romantic, but very bad for society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting read. I like that. Anyway. And this is why it's important to hear both the feminine and masculine perspectives. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Sure. Like, that's why it's important because that actually balances out my opinion in a way that's really lovely. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's good. You know, and when you by the time you get to Paul, I'm, like, I'm such a jerk. Know, but that makes me feel better. But when you get to, <laughs> but when you get to Paul, you know, and Paul's like, oh, because the woman was deceived. It, it sounds bad, but you can't go there. You've got to give it the whole flavor and yeah. open it up because Paul wasn't being mean to women at all. He wasn't being he, by calling them the weaker vessel. We know that the women are a weaker vessel physically in most cases. I'm, I'm sorry. In the ancient time, maybe not with modern pronouns today or modern understanding of gender, Mm. but back then it was understood in their gender that most women weren't going to go out and work as hard as a man could. They didn't have the testosterone in order to do Mm. so, right? Mm -hmm. They didn't have the strength, but they were strong in their own ways. Possibly also the nutrition. I'm sure. I mean, it's some, who knows? Like we could go down this path forever. But anyway, let's bring it back. So now after you've understood the Nazarite vow, Mm -hmm. which Tiziana broke when she touched her dead grandpa. Yep. But Big time. I also shaved my head when I was 23, though, so it started over. Oh, yeah, I remember Hey! That. Yeah. <laughs> Man. That, so that we was haven't a, known each other a long time, huh? Long time. That's yeah. wild. Almost 20 years, yeah. Wow. Now, if you think about this Nazarite vow, you understand that he doesn't need the grape. He can't eat a grape. This boy is not going to be able to eat a grape. Now, the mother doesn't either, but no grape, no wine, no vinegar. Cannot touch dead corpse. Like, all of these things. You can't cut your hair. And, and you can't cut your hair. All of these things that are in that vow— are things that are going to matter later on when you mm-hmm. start understanding who Samson is and what's going down, mm-hmm. okay? So if you think that the power was in the hair, the power's not in the hair. The power's in the vow. The power's in the spirit, mm-hmm. not in the hair. And what's the hair is a representation of it. And the, and, and the, and the power is in the vow. It is in a, a God that does not go back on his word no matter what humanity does. Mm-hmm. God made a consecrated vow that, that Samson's mom entered into with him, and Samson was a beneficiary of, and no matter what, God was going to honor his half of the story, mm-hmm. do you know? Because that's how God works. He's constantly making covenants with Israel and then honoring it. Sure. No matter yeah. what Israel did. That's good. Well, let's. Uh, we're going to have several parts of this, so let's end part one right here. I'm going to read the last little bit of this. So after it says that um, Manoah and his wife were watching and they fell on their faces to the ground, verse 21 of chapter 13 says, the angel of the Lord appeared no more to Manoah and to his wife. Then Manoah knew that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said to his wife, we shall surely die for we have seen God. That's an interesting thing for Manoah to say. But his wife said to him, if the Lord had meant to kill us, he would not have accepted a burnt offering and a grain offering at our hands or shown us all these things or now announced to us such things as these. And the woman bore a son and called his name Shimshon. That's how you actually pronounce it. Oh. But it's Samson. That's how we read it in English. And the young man grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him in Manana Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. So this woman, she keeps her head, man. Like, Samson is successful because his mom is awesome. She is. She keeps her head. Imagine just seeing somebody, like, if, like apparate into the sky, like, you know, straight up into yeah. heaven. You know, and the dad's like, we're going to die. It was God. You know, and she's like, ah, I don't cool. think so. Yeah, it's yeah. cool, dog. It's cool. <laughs> it's all good, bro. That's really good. So, the angel of the Lord, because he says the words, I am, that sort of triggers your mind. And because he says, from, why do you want to know my name for it is wonderful. The reason why it matters is because throughout the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, I hate to say Old Testament. I say Hebrew Bible. The Tanakh. Yeah. So from the Hebrew Bible, 
you're going to hear of the angel of the Lord many times. Do you remember we saw the angel of the Lord acted as a Satan? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that in yeah. that study, a Hasatan? Well, this angel of the Lord, every time he comes on the scene, you're pretty much looking at the pre-incarnate Christ. That's who he is. Huh. Am I wrong? Okay. Wonderful counselor. I am. And was he an angel? Angel is a interesting word. Angel simply means messenger. Right. And this one looked like a man, but he was terrifying. I don't know if he was terrifying to look at or if the fact that this dude just like suddenly appears, whoosh, whoop, hello, you're barren and God's going to give you a son. That, that, you don't see that very much. It'd be like an alien landing, like right in front of you at your yard, right? I, yeah. Maybe. I, I, I assume terrifying in appearance just because that's how it comes off many other places in the Bible. So I just. They always say fear not. I mean, it, yeah. Yeah. So this particular angel of the Lord, although when you get into Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, you know, he says that the son was not an angel, that he, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't see, like, the angel of the Lord is a unique thing. I don't think it's the same as other angels or archangels or a thing. This is a unique thing, a messenger mm -hmm. of the Lord. She thought it was a prophet. Mm -hmm. She thought it was a dude. Right. So he looked like a dude. No, so maybe he Just did. a regular old dude. Right. Maybe he was normcore. But she was afraid. She was afraid, but he, but... But he looked like a dude. Right. You know what I mean? It wasn't like. Yeah, she wasn't afraid like, because like he had the multiple arms. Yeah. And like, looked like a wheel within a okay. wheel and all, all right. that. Right. Okay. Yeah. If that's what it says, then there you go. Well, let's end part one right here with a, with a joke. We're going to do a part two. Yeah, we have to. Um, so here it is. <laughs> if I can say it right, I'm going to try. All right. So. This son turns 16 years old and he goes up to his father and he says, Dad, he's like, it's time. He's like, uh, will you take me to the DMV? He said, I want to get my license so I can drive. His dad says, well, here's something else for you. Uh, that C average that you're carrying at school is not working for me. He's like, so I need you to get that up to a B average. I need you to study your Bible. And for the last time, I need you to cut off all that long hair. So the boy's like, fine. So he goes away, a couple months, he comes back, and he's like, Dad, I've got my average up to a B, and I have read the entire Bible. I want to get my license. He was like, well, that's great. He said, I'm glad to hear about the grades. I'm glad that you've read the Bible. You still haven't cut the hair. And he said, well, Dad, here's why. He said, I've been reading the Bible. And he said, there's some very important men in that Bible. He said, Samson, he shouldn't shave his hair because he didn't have the strength and he's like, and in the New Testament, John the Baptist, the guy that introduced Jesus into the world, he never let a razor touch his head. So in my opinion, I should have long hair. And so the dad says to him, well, son, I can understand that you've got a lot of head knowledge in regard to the Bible, but you lack wisdom. He's like, I don't get it, dad. And he's like, well, if you were wise, you would realize that all of those guys back then walked everywhere they went. <laughs> Wasn't that a long joke for such a terrible? Oh thing? No, I was like, I had I that like, thought in the middle of it. Go! <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those really, really long jokes that just ends terribly. Yeah, it's a great yeah. dad joke. It is a great. That's a great dad joke. Part yeah. Of, sometimes part of the joy of a joke is making it too long. Yeah. <laughs> and then just, just like there are some of those. Yep, yeah, for sure. Norm Macdonald was wonderful at that. Yeah, you'll have to listen to his moth joke. Listen to Norm Macdonald's moth joke. It's fantastic. It's like 12 minutes long, and it was, but it's hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> well, thanks, Tiziana, for being in the studio. Andy, 
And uh, I, I just waved at Rick. Yeah, we're just waving across the. Anyway, um, it's been a lot of fun. We'll get back into the next part of Samson uh, when you're back in the studio. Cool. So we'll talk to you next time on the Burrows of Berea. Woo.